Right, let's go ahead and take our Bibles here this morning, and we're going to be turning to the book of John. Again, uh, probably a uh, familiar passage to you in the book of John, but again, another one that's certainly going to be hopefully helpful uh, this morning as we consider the Word of God here today. Again, if we were to read through the book of John chapter 5, we would see at the beginning of that chapter, if you turn there, John chapter 5, at the beginning of that chapter, we have the account of a uh, of Jesus Christ coming along and helping out a man who really needed help. Um, he had had a, an infirmity for 38 years. And for 38 years of his life, he dealt with an infirmity that was disabling so much that he couldn't carry a bed. And uh, anyways, Jesus came along and healed him on the Sabbath day. And that's a wonderful thing that he was healed on the Sabbath thing. And I would just say this, if you couldn't walk, wouldn't that be a great thing to, to find out that you got healed on the Sabbath day. That'd be an honor to be healed on the Sabbath day. Um, anyways, you see the reaction to this healing on the Sabbath day. Uh, the Jews, which were rather religious and uh, again, uh, steeped in their religion, uh, found again, uh, time to again, accuse or whatever you want to call Jesus concerning this, this Sabbath healing and that sort of thing. You find that in verse number 10 and and following, and again, I'm, I'd like, you know, if I had time, I'd probably read through the whole chapter. But uh, I want to pick up in verse number 15 and read to the end of the chapter. So we see Jesus' reaction uh, to these Jews who uh, didn't like him healing on the Sabbath. And I want to consider a message from this passage that deals with life. Uh, and uh, hopefully it be helped to you today. But again, let's just start in John chapter 5, verse number 15. Again, a lot of reading here to begin with by reading from verse 15 to the end of the chapter. But I want to consider here this thought here tonight, uh, this morning. Uh, why do some never come to life? Life eternal. Why do some never come to life eternal? I'm asking um, maybe a question, but trying to answer that question. Why do some refuse life or, or never come to eternal life? And we find the answer, I believe, in part given in this chapter. And again, I think it's good for us to consider here this morning. In verse 15, it says, The man, the man departed, again, this is the man that was healed, departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh here too, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because not only had broken the Sabbath, that was their accusation, but he said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these things also the Son likewise for the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raised up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. For all men should honor the Son, even if they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. It shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, that the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. I will not at this, for the hour is coming, and that which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and some shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of my Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. 
There's another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. He sent unto John, and he bare witness into the truth, but I receive not testimony from men, but the things I say that they might be saved. He was a burning and shining light, and you were willing to, for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father had given me to finish. The same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. The Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his image. You have not heard, uh, sorry, and ye will have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent him, ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they that testify me. And you will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive honor, I receive not honor from man, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I'm coming to my father's, I have come, I am not come in my father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him will you receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I am accuse you of the Father. There's one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings... How shall believe my words? I want to consider here some thoughts along the lines of life as we consider why some never come to life. Why do some never come to life? Let's go ahead and pray and consider this thought. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word here today. Thank you again for this opportunity to be able to preach it. Father, to expound on the teachings and the thoughts of the word of God here this morning. I pray for your help in bringing a message that hopefully will provoke some to consider where they stand when it comes to eternal life. I pray that you again work through your word, help us by your, by your grace to be able to receive it with an honest and good heart, and again to respond to it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a lot of times we hear these verses out of this passage of Scripture. Again, one of my favorite verses sometimes that I go to, it says in verse 40, and you will not come to me that you might have life. You know, a lot of people, you know, want to accuse God of maybe not giving life and making it available for everybody. But the reality is, <laughs> you will not come to me that you might have life. That's what Jesus said to these Jews. These Jews that were persecuting him. These Jews who wanted to see him killed. And ye will not come to me that you might have life. And we're familiar with that verse. And a lot of times we go to chapter 5, verse 24, a great verse in the Bible here. Verse 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, it shall not come into condemnation, but is passed unto, from uh, death unto life. And so Jesus shares this uh, with these people that really don't like him. They don't like him at all. They didn't like that he healed on the Sabbath. They don't like that this man was healed. They don't like the fact that in their minds he violated and broke the Sabbath day. Not only did he break the Sabbath day, but he said he was equal with his father. In fact, look at verse 14, 18, sorry. It says, uh, but also God was his father making himself equal with God. You know, they didn't like what Jesus taught. You know, we think about the Jews, and, and I think at least as, as a religious person growing up, I always thought the Jews were like in general, friends of Jesus. They're followers of Jesus. I mean, Jesus came on the scene, and, and yeah, there were some people that didn't, didn't like Jesus here and there, but really from the reality of his ministry, I mean, you start out, if you read in the book of John, just going and, and, and seeing his ministry, there's some that definitely believed on him. You see that in chapter 3, and that's great, and that's wonderful. Some of the Jews heard him, and they believed on him, and they received him as the Messiah, and they believed that he was the source of life, and he'd give eternal life. But reality was, in many cases, that the Jews didn't receive him. As a general case, the Jews did not receive him. 
Did you under, do you understand? I hope you understand that. I, I mean, that's just a reality. Let's go back to John chapter 1. Says you're making that up. The Jews, they received him. They, they're the ones who believed on him. They're the ones who trusted him. They were God's people. And as soon as he came on the scene, you know, the Jews liked him and others liked him. No, reality is Jesus was hated without cause. Jesus' time had multitudes follow him. But read through the Gospels and you'll see a lot of times what he said was rejected. In John chapter 1, in verse number 11, it says, He came on his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them, to them that believe on his name. Came on to his own, his own received him not. I mean, he, he, he took the message of the Jews, because he was a Jew, and they didn't receive him. They many times sought to persecute him and even to kill him. Look back at our text there, John chapter 5, verse 16, and it says, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. I don't know exactly, again, when they started really to turn on him, some people say, well, they turned on him after the triumphant entry. They turned on him earlier than that, too. They turned away from Jesus a lot of times, the Jews that heard him. They turned away from Jesus. They sought to persecute him here. It says in verse number 18, they sought to kill him. Even those who followed after him left him to a large degree. Let's turn to John chapter 6. We can see this. It's not something, again, I'm making up. This is a reality. Someone says, well, the Jews in general, certainly there's a multitude of them that seen Jesus and heard from Jesus and are in heaven with Jesus today. I don't know that that's even anywhere close to the truth. I mean, in the book of Acts, how many do you see meeting there in Acts chapter 1? 120, right? I'm not saying there weren't more than that. But I mean, reality is there wasn't multitudes and multitudes that I believe that were saved, again, uh, through the ministry of Jesus. Maybe people think that's the case, but the reality is many rejected The Jews re rejected him to a large degree. That's what John 1 says, right? That's what the Bible says. Matthew 7 would tell you again, uh, that most don't receive him and that sort of thing. And so the Jews, is his ministry, he faced the Jews. He went most of the Jews. He went to Samaritans here and there. But really his ministry was largely the Jews and he was rejected of the Jews. And even those that somewhat became his disciples, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of his disciples left him. You say, why did they leave him? They heard the truth and finally said, I had enough of this in so many words. And through their actions, John chapter 6, verse 64, there are some of you who believe not, but Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, said he unto them that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you go also? Then Simon answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he was that that should betray him being one of the 12. You think about salvation and sometimes we think, you know, there's a whole lot of people that have been saved and there's a whole lot of people that, again, received Jesus and followed Jesus. But you'll look into the accounts of the Gospels and see a lot of people just walking away from Jesus and walking away from the truth. And the Bible says of those that walked away here in chapter 6, it says, and, they, and many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. It's not that they came back a few days later after they got about thinking about the truth and they said, you know, those truths were hard, but we're going to follow Jesus anyways. The reality is they, at that point, some of those plainly decided never to follow Jesus again. Not really to have anything with Jesus, anything to do with Jesus again as far as his message. Now, maybe they were part of those that would persecute him. I don't know, but I'm just saying there's so many that have rejected life having heard about eternal life. 
Judas Iscariot, one of the twelves, rejected eternal life. It doesn't surprise or shouldn't surprise any one of us that a lot of people reject eternal life. They hear about eternal life. They hear this is the way of life. And yet they reject it nonetheless. So we consider here this thought, and again, it's not a maybe so pleasant a one here this morning, but why do some never come to life? There's some reasons why some never come to life. And I want to share with some of those with you today this morning. Why do some never come to life? Let me say, first of all, they're satisfied to stick with their own religion. That is probably the number one reason why people reject eternal life. They're satisfied to stick with their own religion. And that's where these guys were at. They had a religion. It was a Jewish faith, and they thought it was great, and it was good. It meant even possibly, again, persecuting this Jesus who was the Messiah. And they thought this to be right and true and all those things. But as you look at our text here, these Jews here at this time, at least this group of Jews that he was preaching to, had decided that we'll just stick with our faith system. We'll just stick with our faith system. I've gone door to door and I've heard people say, I got my own religion. You know what that means? I'm not changing. I don't know what your religion is for sure. You know, people can have a religion, they can dump a religion and all those kind of things, but I just say, a lot of people have a religion, they're just satisfied to stick with it. Whatever it is, I'm a Baptist. You can be a hell-bound Baptist, did you know that? I'm a Lutheran. I'm satisfied with my religion. In fact, I, I like it. I like what I'm comfortable with it. I'm satisfied with my religion. My religion teaches, you know, I do this, that, and the other thing, and I make it to heaven. And, and that's, that's good for me. And that's fine with me. And so people will think, you know, I, I've got uh, a good faith system. It's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's what I like. I mean, I like this idea that, you know, for these Jews, you know, we just, don't, we just don't do anything on the Sabbath. I mean, if someone needs help on the Sabbath, we just, we just don't do anything for them because, you know, our religion, and they create their own religion. They create their own religion. They added to the faith of, of God. They, had, they created their own religion and they liked it. You know, why do people never come to life? They just like their religion. Mine's comfortable. Mine gives me the summers off. Mine teaches me I don't even have to really practice the faith. And I, I don't need to do this, that, or the other thing. Um, my religion is good. I, I'm satisfied with that. In John chapter 5, verse number uh, 39, verse number 40, uh, we see here in the Bible that Jesus was encouraging these guys to seek for life because they didn't have it. It says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. He was encouraging them to, to search after life because they didn't have it. You know, you can have, you know, you can have a religion, and you think, you know, I got the right religion, and you could be blind to the fact that you don't have eternal life. They didn't believe really in Moses. You say, why would Jesus say that? Because Moses didn't teach some of the things that they were doing. In fact, let's look at verse number 45 to the end of the chapter. It says there, Do not think that I come to accuse you of the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me, but if you believe not his writings, how should I believe my words? You know, people might have their religion, but a lot of times when it comes to religion, I'll just be honest with you, they have a religion, but they have a, what do you want to call it? It's, it's their own religion of that religion. You know, someone says, well, I have a Bible faith. You do? Do you have a Bible faith? Do you do what the Bible says, or do you add to it, or do you subtract from it? Do you, do you, uh, do you take parts of the religion and follow it, and other parts you don't? The Jews were known to just follow some things that they liked to do, like keeping the law. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, 
You know, someone who really knew his faith system and knew it quite well was Saul of Tarsus. He knew it in and out. He followed it to a large degree. He was certainly zealous concerning his faith system. He wasn't a nominal Jew. He wasn't just a, a Jew by name. You know, some people, I'm a Baptist or Catholic by name. He was a follower of his faith system. And he had this to say about the Jews and their faith system. It wasn't right. Romans chapter 10, verse number 1 through 3. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. They had a wrong religion. They have not submitted to the righteousness of God. That means it's not the right religion. The righteousness of God is by faith and grace in Jesus Christ. But they had a different religion. In fact, you look back at the chapter before, verse 31, it says, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were the works of law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. They had a law, but they didn't look to the Messiah. It's part of this whole faith system. They were content, you know, just found the law. It's kind of like people in most religious systems will say, Well, we got communion, we got confirmation, we got baptism, we got whatever it might be. We got church membership. We got creeds. We got covenants. We got all kinds of different things. And they, they have all that. And the people are saying, hey, I like that. I'll just follow that. When we're sold, we do this. We do the marriage ceremony. We do this, that, and the other thing. And they, they go through life thinking, you know, we got it all figured out. We're, we're good in our faith system. But they, know, they miss the person of God in their faith system. Let's turn to John chapter Five, is it, are you in that position today? I mean, I'm just trying to be honest here. Are you, in that, are you in that system of faith today where you just have a religious system? That's all you have? I mean, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is Jesus Christ the center of your life? Is he the one who gave you eternal life? Is he the guy uh, behind your life? Is your life in him? John 5, verse 24, it says, Verily I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that hath sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Believe on him. You believe in God, the Father? You believe in his word? Are you trusting in Jesus? Have you come to Jesus that you might have life? This text says life is both in the Father and is in Jesus. And you will not come to me that you might have life. John 14, verse number six. You know, people want to have eternal life and they're saying, well, I got my faith system. I got my religion and that's going to be my ticket to heaven. I've got the right faith system. I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I got the right faith system. I'm a Baptist. I've got the right faith system. I'm a Catholic. I've got the right system etc. And they think, you know, I've got this and we're good in this and I've got my trust and I've got my things to do. I've got my rituals that I follow and I'm all good and everything's going to be fine. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When people will be trying to drag their religion possibly into an argument with Jesus someday and say, you know, wasn't my religion good enough? Wasn't my faith system good enough? Turn to Matthew chapter 7. People think their faith system is good enough. Some people think that their religious works are good enough. They're all, they're all settled on this fact, you know, I've got my religion. How many times have I heard that? Too many times it is sad to hear it. I've got my religion. I've got my faith system. I'm good there. I'm comfortable there. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know what you see in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21 through 23? You see a lot of Christian followers. That's what you see there. These aren't Muslim followers. It says in verse number, Lord, 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 Lord. I mean, they call Jesus Lord. <laughs> they call him Master. And not only do they call Jesus Lord, but they do a lot of things, quote unquote, for the Lord. It says, many of them will say unto Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in the name? In other words, we've even taught about Jesus. We preached about Jesus. It goes on, cast out devils in the name of who? In the name of Jesus. Did many wonderful works in the name of Jesus. And I'll profess that I never knew you. Depart from me, they that work iniquity. Someone says, well, that's mean. That's bad. That's not nice. That's not good. Well, the reality is why some never come to life is they're just not willing to ditch their religion for Jesus Christ alone. I've got my religion. Do you have life? Life in Jesus Christ? I've got religion too. And pure religion, non-defile, is mentioned in the book of James. And it does certain things and has certain things attached to it. And I'm not saying religion is all bad. The right religion is good, but to have a spiritual imitation as a religion is not good. Even if it seemingly seems good. We've got Moses. We've got the law. We're set with those. This Jesus died for our sins? Eh, we don't need that. We don't need that. Why do people never come to life? Let's turn to John chapter 5 because of sometimes they're satisfied to stick with their religion. Let me say this. Secondly, why do some never come to Jesus? Because they're steeped in ignorance. They're steeped in ignorance. Verse number 38, it says, And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him, you believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they that testify of me. You know, just before this, he talks about John the Baptist. And it talks about John the Baptist. And let's just go back there and read there. It mentions there, it says, In four seasons, verse number 35, he was a burning and shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in that light. You saw this preacher, so to speak, and he was a burning and shining light. And you rejoiced in his light and said, hey, you know, this is a prophet. This is a preacher. He's come from God and all those things attached to that. But, but did they really listen to John the Baptist who said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world? No, they didn't listen to that. A lot of them didn't listen to that. Probably most of those that heard that didn't listen to that. But they were willing for a season to rejoice in that light. And they were talking about Jesus. And all these guys, these same guys, are looking to persecute him. Verse 16, verse number 18. Again, they're willing to kill him, to put him to death, because he had broken the law in their eyes and their mind. Not because, again, it was right and good to do, but why do some people never find eternal life? Because they're, they're steeped in ignorance. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. It's sad, but the reality is a lot of people in our country think all you have to do is have a religion. If you have a religion, you're all sad. It doesn't really matter what religion is. Whatever you're comfortable with, whatever appeals to you, what maybe fits your life or whatever it might be. And, and you might, they might say, well, I'm glad at least you have religion. And they'll say, well, those guys, they don't even have a religion. They're, they're in bad shape. You know, both are in bad shape. The one that has a religion and it's wrong. And the guy that has no religion at all, they're both in bad shape. <laughs> Is a Jew better off for knowing the law and following the law? Or someone rejecting the law and just totally going against the law? Who's in worse shape? Actually, the guy in worse shape is the Jew who has the law, who has rejected the law, that's heard the law, that's heard about Jesus. The heathen out here is that the atheist, you think... They're in tough shape. They're in bad shape. Well, they're alienated because of ignorance sometimes. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 18, it says, Having an under, the understanding darkened, 
being alienated through a life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Some see the light, some hear the light, and they reject the light. These Jews, they'd seen the burning, shining light, John. And John was out there saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they all flocked to Jesus as a result. No, they didn't. They were willing, oh, oh, that's cool. I like that. For a while, they, they liked the light. They said, you know, we like this light. But when he said, you know, you know, follow Jesus instead of this, that, or the other thing, or bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, show the evidence of a changed life, then they said, no, nah, not that kind of religion. We got a comfortable religion. I do the Sabbath day of observances. I tithe, I give, I do these things. Uh, we got this religion. We're all set in this. We're all good in that. People, sadly, many times never come to life because they are just simply spiritually ignorant. There's some that choose to be ignorant, as this text seems to indicate, being alienated from a life through God, through the ignorance of them, because of the blindness of the heart, or being past feelings. They're giving themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. And again, it seems here you have some Gentiles that just have given themselves over to sin and are set in their sin and they want to stay in their sin and they just don't want anything really to do with religion or salvation. And certainly there are people today like that. They, don't, they won't get saved until they decide, you know, hey, I'm not going to stay in this spiritual ignorance any longer. John chapter 3, if you turn there with me, John chapter 3, as we think about why some never come to eternal life, it's sometimes because they're spiritually ignorant. You know, they've been taught in the religion, just do this, that, and the other thing, and you'll be fine. And, and the preacher one day will sit there after you die, and at the funeral will say, behold, so-and-so is a good man. He followed Jesus and did things, taught maybe in the Sunday school class and did all these kind of things and whatever it might be. And, and uh, again, it might seem harsh or mean, but it seems... They'll say, you know, that's, that sounds good. I'll just pick that. I'll stick with that. But yet, we see a religious man here, a very religious man of the strictest sex, set of Jewish religion there. Mentioned here in John chapter 3, he is named Nicodemus. You're familiar probably with him. I think everyone here has heard about him. And uh, it says in verse number three, it says, Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can, this, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I just want to stop, stop at verse number six. There's two births. It's so plain there. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. There's two births, right? I mean, Baptists will talk about two births. Those that believe in two births will talk about two births. There's two births. There's people born of the flesh and you'll have flesh. And so I have my parents, Amy and Alan Paulson. I was born of them of the flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The spirit is capitalized there in verse 6. The spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. His spirit. There's a second birth. My second birth happened in May of 1989. My, May of 1989. I was born of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God born me into his family. Verse 7 is this marvel not that I say you must be born again. You must be born again. We have a song that we sing, you must be born again. You know why you sing a song like that and why maybe someone created that song? Probably just to just help people just understand, you must be born twice. First time flesh, second time by the Spirit. And so there are people that are ignorant concerning a spiritual birth. I was one of them. I wasn't taught early, you must be born again. Never heard that growing up in the faith system I had, although it was quote-unquote Christian, normal Christian, so to speak, being a Lutheran. I didn't hear that in my face. You must be born again? Nope, never heard nothing about that. Just like Nicodemus never heard about it. And thought, what? Go back and be a, born a second time out of my mother's womb? How can that happen? That can't happen. I'm too big. That can't happen. That's impossible. 
Jesus explains that you must be born of the Spirit. And it says that in verse number 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The question to you is, when were you born of the Spirit? He said, I haven't been. You must be born again. You haven't got eternal life. You need life. And God has put life in his Son. There's life in the Father, there's life in the Son. You will not come to me that you might have life, and life is through the Son. And uh, again, we need the Son to have eternal life because the wages of sin is death, and we can't get to heaven by being good. Why do some never find life? Because they are stuck in their spiritual ignorance, or they don't want to get out of their ignorance. Okay, we see that in the Word of God. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 7. just want to mention another reason why some, again, are, are not able to find eternal life or do not find eternal life. It's because of ignorance. And again, that's one of the root reasons why some will not find eternal life. They, they were ignorant of it. Nobody taught them about it. Nobody talked to them about it. Some maybe uh, have you know, found some things out about it, but they're not willing to check it out any further. They're just kind of stopped halfway. I heard about being born again. You know, I heard that you must be born again, and, and that's enough for me. And, and you know what? I just don't think you have to be. So, yeah, you can take that position. I can take that position. And if people take the position, I just don't have to be. It's not part of my faith system, so I'm just not going to follow that. I mean, the same people will quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world. That's in the same chapter of the Bible. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should have everlasting life. Same chapter. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse number 13. Jeremiah 7, verse 13, Why do some miss heaven? Why do some miss life? Because of indifference. Just their own Indifference. They live in a state of indifference. Verse 13. And now these, it says, And now because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not, and I called, but ye answered not. The reality is some just, just don't want to hear much about Jesus. They want to hear about the word of God. To them, religion, the religion of the Bible is just old, outdated. It's not for them. It's not for their life. And they're just, you know, you can have your religion. You can be zealous. I'm good with you. You have your fun in your religion. I'm going to live out here in the world. I'm going to do my own thing. And they're just sitting around. And they're, they're happy in their indifference. They don't care one way or another, really, when it comes to religion. They're fine with people being religious as long as they don't push it on them. They're fine, again, people uh, doing whatever they want to do. Live your life however you want. And they're just plain indifferent to the Bible. They're just, you know, it's, it's got some good ideas here and there, but there's some I disagree with. And so why does some not find life? Because they're just indifferent to the Bible. They're indifferent to life. They're indifferent to the things of God. That's why some never come to eternal life. They're just plainly indifferent. They just really don't care much, one way or another, concerning God and the truth. And they die lost, they go to hell because they're indifferent. Let's turn to Acts chapter 24. Why are there some that miss life? If you're hearing from God here today and God's saying, you know, that's me, then you need to respond to that kind of calling. It is the Holy Spirit that deals with people according to the Word of God and through the Word of God. You know, some miss life because they're satisfied with excuse making or excuse planning. Um, we see this with Felix here, a great example in the Bible of someone who could have came to eternal life, but probably never came to eternal life. It says here in Acts chapter 24, verse number 24 and 25, it says, And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith of Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for a time, and when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. 
You know, some are just satisfied with excuse making or excuse planning. You know, satisfied, you know, someday I'm going to find eternal life. One day when I'm done with, again, uh, things I want to do, I'm going I'm to find what this religion is about and if it's for me. You know, they're looking for a convenient season to be saved. Turn to Luke chapter 14. There, there are many who make excuses. They can hear the word of God. They can grow up in a church like this or maybe some other church, maybe not even exactly like this. And they hear about eternal life. They hear you must be born again. And they continue to say to themselves, you know, someday I'm going to make that, that faith system mine. I'm going to add it to my life. But for now, I'm going to make excuses. I'm going to continue with excuses. Felix had an excuse. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. He heard of righteousness. So he heard the way of righteousness, how to get right with God. He heard of judgment, the judgment's coming, and for him. But he rejected it. John 14, verse number 16. We see the parable of the Great Supper. And really it's a, a parable of, of people being called to salvation and uh, people give excuses for it. Verse 16, it says, And he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servants at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I have needs to go and see it. I pray they have an excuse. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray you have excuse. Another one said, I have... Married a wife, therefore I cannot come. Cannot come. What do we just see? We see a bunch of excuses. I've got something to see in the world. That's the first excuse. In verse number there, I've got this land. I've got to see it. i got vacations. i got my bucket list. I've, I've got to see. I've got to experience life. I've got to see the world and I've got to explore it. I've got to see the world and I've got to... And I think about excuses. What are some of the excuses people make that they reject eternal life? I've got the world to see. I've got places to go. i got things to experience. And then there's, in the second one, you got someone who's got excuses along the lines of, i got things to do. I've got work. I've got to work on Sundays. I've got to work. I've got to work for a living. I've got to work to provide for my family. I've got to work to do. Work is, work is profitable. Religion, I really just don't think a lot about that. One consent, they make excuse. I got a piece of ground, I go to see it. Says in verse one, I got five oxen, I got to prove them. I got to go out and work those oxen, see how they, they do, see if they, we can uh, produce some fruit or whatever. And, I, and then verse 20, I've got some of the love. Another said, I've, got, I got, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. I've got a relationship that I need to, to, to go through in life. And there's so many reasons why people make excuses. I, I, I'm too busy. I've got work to do. I've got relationships to attend to. And they miss life. They miss eternal life. I got a religion to attend to. I got work to attend. I got the world to attend to. I got a wife or I got a significant other or whatever it might be. There are all kinds of excuses. And why do some miss eternal life? They got excuse after excuse after excuse. And one of their main excuses, you know, there's, there's hypocrites in the faith system. You know, the Bible and Jesus said they're going to be hypocrites in the faith system. He's going to separate the tares from the wheat. He's going to separate the tares from the wheat. There'd be hypocrites in the faith system. There'd be people who'd say, I'm, you know, whatever, and this is what I do, and this is who I am, and whatever it might be. There'd be hypocrites in the faith system. Wasn't Judas an example of one? A preacher. Going two by two as a preacher. A treasurer, in a sense. A treasurer in the church. A teacher in the church. You know, there's going to be people miss heaven because they make excuses. There'll be people that miss heaven, let me say this, also because of their spiritual pride. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 12. I think we have, we're, we're heading into, maybe I'm wrong in thinking this, maybe pride's always been an issue, but uh, you see in the Bible, it says here in Proverbs chapter 30, something interesting, verse number 12, it says, there is a generation that appear in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. I don't know if that's a single generation or what it is, but it says, 
previous to that, there is a generation that curses their father and mother and does not bless their mother. Just an absolutely selfish generation. Honestly, I just, I like to call it what it is. It's a wicked generation. It's a filthy generation. There's a generation that are pure in their wine, yet they're not washed from their food. There's a generation that curses father and mother. And then it says, there's a generation that are lofty in their own lives and the eyelids are lifted up. And then it says in verse 14, there's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaws are as knives to devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among the poor. I mean, just a savage generation. A self-centered generation. A proud generation. Pure in their own lives. You know, someone, some can't get saved. They can't see themselves as a sinner. They're just like the guy over in Luke chapter 18. Let's turn over there. Luke chapter 18 just really can't see themselves as a sinner. I mean, it's easy to see those guys maybe in jail, those gals in jail, or those people again who go out and maybe uh, kill somebody or, or do this or some people that are cruel or whatever. They could say, you know, I, I see them as sinful. I don't see myself as sinful at all. And they're a lot like this guy in this, in Luke chapter 18 and uh, verse number 9 through 14. Luke chapter 9, verse number, uh, sorry, Luke 18, verse number 9 through 14. That simply just trust in themselves. And that's another reason why some will miss heaven. They just simply trust in themselves or maybe in somebody else. Luke chapter 18 Verse number nine talks about some guys going to the temple. So they're probably Jews there going in. And uh, it mentions the Pharisee and the publican. I want a tax collecting Jew, probably a Pharisee being another uh, Jew there. It says, and it says, verse nine, and he spake a pair of certain that trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a public uh, Pharisee and the other public. And the Pharisee stood thus and prayed with himself. God, I thank thee, I'm not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the publican standing far off would not so much lift up his eyes to heaven, smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, one guy couldn't really see himself as a sinner. Righteous. They were righteous and despised others. Certainly the trust in themselves. Why do some miss heaven? Because not only there are some that will make selfish excuses and stubborn excuses or are satisfied with excuses, but others that are stuck in their self-trust. I'm good enough. I'm fine enough. I'm personally, again, I'm personally good enough to make it to heaven. I'm personally... A follower of Jesus. Don't you know I'm a follower of Jesus? Matthew 7 mentions some followers of Jesus that weren't going to heaven. We just read about them. They're preaching about Jesus. They're doing works about Jesus. But yet they had never been saved through Jesus. People sometimes are stuck in that self-trust or trusting in others. Let's turn, if you would, trusting in themselves or trusting in others. Where were these Jews trusting in? Well, Jesus reveals in the text here in John chapter 5 who they were trusting in. They were trusting in Moses. Not Jesus, Moses. And I don't have anything bad really to say about Moses. Moses was a great leader. But that's where their trust was. Verse 45, Do not think that I accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses... In whom you trust. For you had believed in Moses, you would have believed in me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how should you believe my words? They're trusting in Jesus, but not really trusting in, I'm sorry, they're trusting in Moses, but really not truly trusting in Moses, not really heeding his words either, not heeding John the Baptist's word, and certainly not heeding Jesus' word. They're stuck in self-trust or some other kind of trust. And there's a lot of people there just trusting in something, trusting riches, trusting in your own righteousness, trusting horses, trusting in strength, on and on it goes. Finally, and I'm going to end here with this message here this morning, why are there some that don't come to life? Some are wrapped up in self-trust. And finally, let me say, some are set in their unbelief. 
It says that right in the, in the last part of but If you believe not his writings, how will you believe my words? They're stuck in unbelief. They're set in unbelief. They're anchored in unbelief. They're embedded in unbelief. They're like, like people, if you were stuck in concrete, you're just plain stuck. You're stuck in unbelief. Is that a good place to be? No, it's not. You've hardened yourself against God and the truth. Let's turn to John chapter 7. I'm going to close with these words. John 7. I'm going to read through quite a few verses here. Again, just 10. But we're going to start in verse number 43. And uh, we'll see here in the Bible some that were stuck in unbelief. And you say, why were they stuck in the unbelief? Because others were stuck in their unbelief. You know, sometimes people stay lost because someone else is lost. Some will reject the truth because others reject the truth. John chapter 7, verse 43. So there was a division among the people because of him. That's because of Jesus. And some of them would not have taken him, but none laid hands on him. Then came the chief officers and chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto him, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But the people who knew that know not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto him, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look. For out of Galilee rises no prophet. And every man went unto his house. You know, why do some never get saved? It's because they don't believe on him. Because others don't believe on him. In this case, it mentions in verse number 40, have any of the rulers believed on him? Does it matter if the rulers believe on him? Does it matter if your brother or sister believes on him? Or your mom or your dad? Or your sister or cousin? Or whoever it might be, believe on him? It's up to you. You will not come to him that you might have life. It's sad, but the Jews didn't respond well to Jesus. And sadly, I believe many today don't respond well to Jesus. They, they're satisfied with their religion. There's some that are spiritually ignorant. There's some that are stuck in their indifference. There's some that are satisfied with excuses. Some are satisfied with a self-trust. And some are spiritual procrastinators. And there are some, as in the case of this passage of Scripture, that are set in their unbelief. And yet you have a Nicodemus come along and say, why don't we hear him out? Why don't we hear him out? Let's close as we consider the word of God here this morning. Have you eternal life? If you don't have eternal life, you can have eternal life even today. You can come to him and have it. Let's close as we consider the word of God this morning.